Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. So one of my intentions with the show and Coach's Corner, which is unlike the weekly episodes you hear where you get to listen to an unscripted, unedited, unproduced live coaching call between me and someone, sort of like being a fly on the wall in a therapy session. What these Coach's Corners are about are talking to other experts and really providing you with a broad range of information. And one of the things that I thought may be helpful during this time is to bring on an astrologist, someone that I've actually used in my life, to just talk about what astrology can teach us about this time. And I think we're all looking for answers. We're looking for insight. And so I thought I'd provide you with another avenue, another insight, another approach to look at this. And you decide what resonates for you and what doesn't. So I have Jade Luna joining me today, and he's an Asterian astrologer. And we talk about all kinds of things, especially how the stars predicted this pandemic, what we can learn from it, and how we can move forward. And Jade, like myself, believes this is the new normal that's emerging, and it's a massive, massive opportunity for a change in consciousness. One thing that Jade talks about is dealing with our fear. And I agree with him and how important it is to go in and deal with our fear. I also just want to remind you it's important to move yourself through it and out of it. So one of the tools that I often give my clients is to just sit down and write. Sit down and write a lot of your what-if statements. I remember when Steph and I first got together about six to eight months in when I just was engaged to him and very attached. I had so much fear about his death coming up, especially when he would go out of town. And as life and lessons would have it, the first time, one of the first times he went out of town and we were apart, he was facilitating a men's retreat and was out in the middle of nowhere and had no cell service. So I couldn't contact him at all whenever my fear would come up and I'd want that reassurance of, oh, tell me you're still alive. And so one of the ways I dealt with it is I just went into my fear. I I allowed myself to feel it. I allowed myself to feel the anxiety, the, the grief, all of it. And I wrote about it and I journaled with it. And I just sat with it until it eventually passed. And then I was able to move into gratitude and move into appreciation and just move into just presence and safety with everything that I had in that moment. And so I encourage you to do the same. Don't run from your fear. Don't distract yourself. Don't try to Netflix your fear away. Go into it sit with it, and then eventually you'll move through it, move through any grief or anger that comes up and eventually get to that gratitude. And that I believe is part of an awakening is to be able to sit with our fear and be with it. It's just a normal part of the human experience. And the more of us that do that rather than run from it, the more we're able to really proactively react (laughs) to everything that's happening in the world right now. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jade. He is the first Westerner ever to reconstruct a type of Hindu astrology into a Greco-Roman or more English format. Jade has traveled extensively across the planet, lecturing and conducting workshops on astrology and mysticism. He has traveled to India more than 30 times and spent a great deal of time with various teachers and saints. Jade also consults with people privately. He usually presents a few seminars each year at various locations. He is the author of Asterian Astrology and has been one of the most successful astrologers in the world for over 18 years. You can learn more from him at asterianastrology.com. So before we dive in, I just want to remind you all that Mother's Day is around the corner. And what an incredible time 
to appreciate your mom or women who have been like mothers in your life. So finding the perfect present for mom on Mother's Day sometimes is tough. Like what else does she need? Do you want to get her another thing? How about something that is so memorable and so touching that makes this Mother's Day, especially if you can't be together physically, even more special? So I know that more than anything, parents cherish spending time with their family, which is why I'm giving my mom the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to connect with loved ones through StoryWorth. So StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with your family especially with relatives you can't see right now. This is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. So how it works is every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you never thought to ask, like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? What are the riskiest things you've ever done? What's one of the things you've always wanted to teach me? So on and so forth. Reading the weekly stories is fun. and makes our families feel close, even if we're not all together. So you can just think of what you could possibly learn about your mom or what she could learn about you or another family member by participating in StoryWorth. So after a year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include in a beautiful keepsake book that ship for free. Your family will treasure this book forever. So here's your call to action. Give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash over it. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. Again, that's storyworth.com slash over it for $10 off. All right, and now on to my conversation with Jade Luna. Jade, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful that you're able to join us. You've been so helpful to me in my life. We've had so many great conversations. I looked back and our first reading was in 2014. Uh, so we've known each other for a while and just really appreciate you being here to talk to, to my tribe today. And thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Mm. So before we get into talking about what's going on in the world, I'd love people to get to know you a little bit. Can you share about what really brought you into astrology and some of your your spiritual path and the kind of astrology that, that you study and teach? Because it's not like some of the typical astrology we hear about. No, it, it's actually not. This is the original system of astrology was used by the ancient Greeks and Babylonians and Egyptians thousands of years ago. And, you know, what's funny, what brought me to the system was living in India. My guru was a silent master. So when I went to India, we had to be silent. So while I was there, I started translating books and ancient books. And I translated the Yavana Jataka, which is one of the oldest books ever written on astrology. And it was actually a system of astrology that Alexander the Great had once taught the ancient Mediterranean world. And when he took over northern India, he left the book, the Yavana Jataka, there. And so when I was living in India, I translated that. Mm -hmm. And I translated it into a Western format, which is the system I use now, Asterian astrology. Mm. And for people that may not know, what is astrology in a nutshell? What, what does it mean? question. And this is really the fundamental difference between real astrology and the system that people are familiar with. Astrology means science of the stars. Mm. And our ancients would look up into the sky and into the constellations and see the planets moving through the stars. 
and would create horoscopes due to what they saw moving through the signs and the stars. Western astrology, oddly enough, does not follow the stars in the sky. And I even argue that it should even be called astrology at all, because what Western astrology is, is the first day of Aries is the first day of spring. And what Western astrology is, is the four equinoxes divided into 12 parts, which is what we call a calendar. Mm. Our ancients, our ancient astrologers had two jobs. One was creating calendars, seasonal calendars, and the other one was observing the stars in the sky. The seasonal calendar was used for crops, and the stars in the sky were used for human beings. When Catholicism was born, it created anti-divination laws, making astrology, the observing of the stars, illegal. Then the calendar, the first day of Aries is the first day of spring, that calendar then became the zodiac because Catholicism forbid people to observe the stars. Hmm. So we have two systems here, real quick. We have sidereal astrology, which uses the stars in the sky. And then we have Western astrology, which is really just our ancient calendar. Mm. It should not be used for human analysis. So like in Western astrology, my birthday, September 9th, I'm a Virgo, but in the astrology uh-huh. that you study, I'm a different, that I'm a different sun sign, right? Yes, you, well, you are 94% of people are not the sign they grew up knowing. What they are is the months that they are using are based upon the old calendar. Uh, So when you were born, the sun was in Leo, not Virgo. But one interesting factor is this 27 sign system that I use. Um, The ancient priests and even the modern Hindu priests have been hiding what we call the 27 sign system from the public because they believe the public isn't aware enough to absorb higher conscious wisdom like the 27 signs. So they put out the 12 for the public, but there's been an ancient pre-system of 27 signs that has been used for thousands of years. And I've been trying to push that system out to the public. Mm. It's so fascinating. And it's so interesting to me, Jade, that Western astrology has taken off (laughs) and we've identified so much with our our signs. And it's kind of confusing because a lot of the Virgo traits, I, I feel like I have. So it was easy to identify with that sign. When uh, Linda Goodman's Sun Signs book came out, one of the stipulations was that every sign had to apply to everybody. Mm. And that is when you've grown up reading something your entire life, you're going to be able to identify with some of those traits. But I have a very interesting story when I started going to school in India, Mm. where, you know, I'm born May 8th. And so I had Taurus tattooed on my arm. It was like the first tattoo I ever had was Taurus. (laughs) So when I was in India, Uh, My teacher asked me my birthday was, I said, May 8th. And and he goes, that's a type of Aries. I'm like, Aries? Wait a minute, I got Taurus on my arm. And in that class, there were probably about 20 to 30 Westerners there. And he said, I'm going to do something for everybody here because we have a lot of Westerners here. I'm going to give you a pamphlet with 12 pages in it. Each of the 12 pages are the individual 12 signs of the Zodiac. I've removed the names of them, is what he said. And I use a thesaurus to change words around, and I've also realigned them in a different order than what you're familiar with. And I want you to pick the sign out of the 12 that you feel like the most. Mm. His point being that he knew no one was going to pick the Western sun sign. Mm. It's something we've identified with, so we think that we're that sign. As a matter of fact, I picked Aquarius on that day. And what was also so interesting about that is 80% of people in his class for over 35 years picked Aquarius. Uh, because they liked the way that it felt and they, they they felt that it suited who they were. So when people say to me, I feel like I'm my sun sign, 
I already know that something has been ingrained in them because they've been reading it since they were born. Mm. Uh, but I don't believe that. Matter of fact, that I've evolved the whole practical conservative earthly Taurus. That is not me at all. <laughs> and I allowed myself to detach from the stuff I was reading because in India, when I was like, well, wait a minute, I'm practical, conservative, earthly. But as I evolve more into my real sign, I don't ever feel like I was those uh, yeah. traits that I originally thought that I was so strongly. Oh, that's such a great point on so many levels, uh, especially right now. We just have to be so aware of what we're being programmed with <laughs> because our minds are very susceptible to information. And yeah. also not to interrupt, but this particular experience we're having on the planet is 100% predictable through the system that I use. It is not predictable through Western astrology. You will have people on hindsight saying they might've predicted it and so forth, but I have been telling people, go get the evidence. I wanna see beforehand. When you use real astrology, in the last three months, mm. we've had Saturn, Pluto, Mars, Jupiter, all move into Capricorn at the same time. And look at the planet we're in already. Uh, Western astrology can't make these predictions because this isn't what's going on in Western astrology. This is only happening in the stars in the sky right now. Okay. I really want to dive into the predictions you made and what you think is going on. Cause you and I had a fascinating conversation about it offline before we do though, just so I want people to get a little more sense of you. You're not just somebody that went and studied astrology in India. This is really a spiritual path for you. Will you talk a little yes. bit about your, your spiritual path and some of the things that that you've had to um, transmute and transcend over the years? Well, you know, this whole path of astrology started with something pretty interesting. I was young and I was in a, a rock band in the 90s uh, and I was basically a teenager and we were opening up for a band called the Counting Crows. <laughs> and it Heard was a very, <laughs> yes, it was a very powerful experience because at a very early age, my life as a musician kind of started, which I am still also a musician to this day. And I was interacting with Adam, the singer of the Counting Crows, and there was a series of things going on. One, when I was on tour, I was becoming ill. Um, I developed chronic fatigue syndrome. I also was diagnosed with a heart issue. My health started falling apart when I was on tour at a very early age. But he, on the other hand, was dating someone named Courtney Cox. And he saw me giving readings and stuff like that. And he said, you got to give a reading to Courtney Cox. And so while I was on tour, I took some time off and I gave a reading to her. And, you know, I was 17 and she launched my career everywhere. Mm. Mm. Um, I gave her a reading and I told her something very specific that was going to happen in the next six months. And it came to pass using a stereo astrology and boom, just like that, my career took off. So as my career was taking off, I was also going to India and I was dealing with pretty significant health issues. And I ended up running into a tribe called the Agora tribe and started practicing a spiritual path called Agora, which means to live without fear. Um, I had some pretty strong anxiety around the fact that I was diagnosed with something that could take my life within a few years. So I didn't really want a spiritual practice that, or a book that said, this is what's going to happen. I wanted very specific experiences that kind of pulled the veil back a little bit. Mm. So I wouldn't have so much anxiety around the death subject because it was so, so firmly pushed into my, my view. So I started meditating on the goddess Kali. I found this tribe in India. This is the, the short story of it. And my spiritual path began right there and then. And then I also started schooling for astrology when I was there and so forth. So it's been, you know, astrology has been a part of my life 
almost my entire life. Mm. I have had no other adult job other than being an astrologer and a musician. Mm, mm. Well, I experience whenever I have a reading with you that it's completely your passion. And it's very based on the, I don't want to say necessarily facts, but the, the, the alignments. It's, it's very scientific. That's the word I'm looking for. It's very, it's very yes. scientific. So let's dive into um, what's happening. So it's, it's towards the end of April 2020 that we're recording this. We're in the middle of this, what we're calling a pandemic. You predicted this coming, I'm sure before, but I've read an article that you wrote or were interviewed in, in January. Tell us how you were able to see this coming and what exactly is going on with the stars. And first, let me say that was in January of 2019. Oh, wow. So Look at that. <laughs> that. That was in 2000, that being very specific to this prediction. Um, it was in January, though, that it started to get the prediction started to become known. Mm. It started circulating around several magazines. Uh, a lot of them I haven't even shared because I didn't 100% love the article. But in this particular system, predictions like this are not that hard to make. The eclipse that we had in December of 2019, right on Christmas, that particular eclipse was the same eclipse that started the Spanish flu. And it was an eclipse that was also involved in the Black Plague in the 1300s. And so now I also want to mention, I've been giving earth chain seminars since 2005. And I have done, you know, hundreds of earth chain seminars talking about these phases that we have. And so in 2019, I had started giving earth change readings to my clients and so forth and started telling them things that were common. My clients were then having things posted on certain, you know, blog sites and so forth. About December of 2019 to June of this year, a massive cataclysm taking place. And what I had mentioned in these articles was one of four things a volcanic eruption that left debris in the air that was would make it difficult for us to breathe was one possibility. The other one, a pandemic. Uh, that was mentioned on several different occasions. Uh, the other one, a meteorite hitting the planet. And the other being large earthquakes in locations that weren't used to having earthquakes. These were four possibilities I anticipated in the phase that we're in right now, the punch to actually happen. Mm. And we're in it right now. So I'm sure some people listening are thinking, well, how in the world can astrology predict this? Like, how can you see this in the stars? How is that even possible? Well, you know, that gets into the knowledge of what astrology is itself. Astrology is the universe's time clock for when we have to go through transitions on this planet. And this is really what it's meant to do outside of human analysis. It's meant to predict what's going on spiritually on this planet. What astrologers that use the stars in the sky, what us sidereal astrologers are, we are weather predictors, mm. spiritual weather predictors for this planet. So when you use real astrology, we should be able to predict things like this. Astrology deals with cosmic or spiritual rays that come from the universe that directly interact with our lives. So when you said the time frame is December 2019 through June 2020, does that mean from your perspective, we will be out of this by June 2020? Or what does that June no. date mean? I believe we start living in a new normal. Mm -hmm. I don't believe we ever return to normal from mm. this, by the way. I want to be very clear about that. Now, it means we will have a new normal. Um, uh, I think that we'll start existing. I think the economy and things of that nature will start to improve. 
But I believe this is the beginning of a massive change of consciousness, you know, yeah. and I'm, yeah. what I'm going to say is not next is not technically meant to be a scary prediction. It's more just to kind of keep people conscious a little bit. I believe this is just a drill for other things that can happen to us in the future. Uh, we have to learn how to deal with global events. And we're seeing right now how this planet responds to global events. I believe we'll have other experiences in the future that are like this. I believe this is one of many to come, yet I believe this pandemic will be the end of this particular phase. Although I still think that we'll have other issues with the you know coronavirus here and there. I believe that other situations in the future, I believe this is preparing us for. And how do you think we're doing in terms of our response to this so far? You know, you kind of have to expect exactly what's happening. Uh, for one, you can understand the social unrest a little bit. You know, there are people in their homes right now watching this happen and losing their jobs the longer this goes on. And, you know, so you see the panic in people going, if this keeps going, I have to change my career entirely. And the panic right now is starting to become real. So let's let's go back to to fear. So how can we, because you said, and I agree, this is a massive change of consciousness. So there, there seems to be two extremes, either people living in total fear and disempowering themselves, and then people going into rebel and being like, I just want to do what I want to do. And this is all just the flu. And that's kind of the other extreme that I see. So in terms of elevating our consciousness through this, so that we're acting both from our intellect and our intuition, how do we relate to this so that we actually can shift our consciousness collectively? Well, you know, and it goes back down to some of the fundamental beliefs regarding the spiritual path that I've been on, you know, since I was 17, Agora means to live without fear, means life itself is going to present you with opportunities to look at your fear and overcome it. Mm. and to somewhere spiritually trust that we are a part of the divine, no matter what happens to us. We have to go through earthly transitions like this. This is a part of being in the human world. You know, I tell people often, you know, earth is school. It's not your home. We are here to learn, and we have to overcome our fears in, o in order to rise in consciousness. Fear is the opposite of love, not mm -hmm. hate. Fear mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. uh, fear can stop people dead in their tracks. It can be the cause of even spiritual regression is fear. So if that is a fact, then what we're looking at right now is an actual opportunity for everybody to start to look into their fear and start to move past it. We have to deal with these things. You know, if we don't deal with fear right now, there's going to be another day in everyone's lives. They have to deal with the fear of letting life go. Mm -hmm. And so this to me is a sign of this, what we're going through, a mass conscious change because people are being forced to look at their fears. And all we're dealing with in the different sides of people exploding, of people rebelling or people going into fear is really how people will handle these larger issues in themselves to begin with. It means what's going on inside of people is just a reaction of how they're dealing with impermanence in general. Some people rebel against impermanence. Some people go into anxiety and fear. We're seeing right now how people are going to handle dealing with impermanence mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. We have to go through transformation as human beings because earth is school. It's not our home. And so everybody has to use this as an opportunity to look into fear and to start to remove it from our consciousness because it's what holds us back anyways. Meanwhile, I'm not telling people to go protest on the streets because we have to protect the people around us too. Mm -hmm. And so there is a normal conscious way to deal with our fears, expand and evolve from them while appreciating, you know, our fellow brother and sister at the same time. 
Can you dive in more specifically on how to evolve our fears? Because I get it on the awareness level. It makes a lot of sense. But I know a lot of my listeners are going to go, well, how do I do that? It's a great question because it living in India, I was diagnosed as an example with you know a heart problem. And I, that led me to India at a very early age from a very spiritually active point of view. Um, it wasn't about me going there and having a tourist visit. I was going there. I wanted the deepest experiences possible. And when I got there and shared with my first teacher, uh, called Babaji, that I ended up having a heart issue, he looked at me and said, well, why do you want to die? And I said, I don't. That's why I'm here. And he said, well, if you think you don't want to die, then maybe you'll die. But if we can look at why you might have attracted this, maybe look at the fact that you want this for your own experience, the, all this fear that you're going through, if you can look at where this is coming from and move beyond it, he said, you absolutely will live from this. And so my heart issue, which I'm going to relate to what's going on globally here in a minute, was an option for me to go in and start literally meditating on the things that produced this experience for myself. And so I had to actively look at the deepest fears in myself, which death is number one, and start to move past that. And as I move past my fear of my own death and dying, I believe that my health changed permanently for the better because of that. So looking at the things that bring up fear, instead of focusing on white light when I was with Kal Babaji, he wanted me meditating on what my fears were. He said, I want you silent. I want you to go into your, the core of your heart. And I'm going to be encouraging people to do this right now. He said, I want you to go to the core of your heart and start to write down your greatest fears. And I would write them down. He, he would want 10 a day. And so I'd write down my fears and then he would individually want me spending time as meditating on me going through the process of those fears and what could be the result of those. And by reviewing what my greatest fears were, I started to eliminate them. Kind of like the concept of watching a scary movie that really scares you. And then you watch it again and it's scary. And then after the third or fourth time you watch it, you're like, you know what? I'm not scared of this anymore. I believe we have to actually meditate on the things that bring up our fears and over time, we will start to loosen that grip of fear in our hearts. So I believe right now, while all this fear is around, sitting in that fear, really feeling where that root comes from and letting it kind of go into the core of yourself and pick things out that you have fears and to work them out spiritually, it is the right way to do it. And that's my encouragement for right now is people to use this opportunity to meditate on their fears. So work them out spiritually, meaning meditate on them allow yourself to feel them, review them, instead of just being reactive and letting the fear drive our action, actually taking the fear into our meditation practice and reviewing it and eventually surrendering it. Is that what happens to the fear or you just... I, just the simple reviewing of it is what matters to me the most, which means after you really go to the core of what your greatest fears could be and you really sit with them, and if you do this a, a series of times on the same fear, it literally starts to remove itself. We don't, we're in a new age world where people will even encourage you not to do things like this. They like, well, if you think about negative things, it's going to bring those things into your world and stuff like that, which is the antithesis of agoric thinking. We believe the more fearless a person is, the better life they will have. The more fearless a life is experienced, the happier it's going to be and the most abundant. So we don't 100% agree as agoras with the new age philosophy that you're going to bring things in by meditating on them. We believe we start to remove them all time. Mm, mm, mm. Because if the fear is there, 
it's there. <laughs> and if you can you, put you, white light around yeah. it all you want, it's still going to be there. Still going to be there. So actually, well, this is, this is very similar to what I teach in terms of doing shadow work or going to those unresolved wounds, not avoiding, not spiritual bypassing, but actually going with, going there, sitting with them, asking what they need, like just, just facing it instead of just running away from it and wanting it all to be better, which I think we're all being asked to do, or we're really all being asked to look more deeply inside about what's not sustainable. You gave me, when we were chatting on the phone last week, a great analogy about the heart attack. Do you remember what you said? Oh, about the planet going yes. to a heart attack. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. So, and that I've been expressing that often with people, like when someone has a heart attack and let's just move that over to the pandemic and let's just assume this planet just had a heart attack. Let's say a human being has a heart attack. Well, if you change from that heart attack, first of all, let's say you survive that heart attack and you change, you change your lifestyle, you change the way you eat, you change your consciousness from that heart attack then you benefited from that experience and you grew and evolved. But if you go back to doing the things that you did before you had that heart attack, your second heart attack will absolutely kill you 100%. So I do believe what we're going through right now globally is an option for us to change. And then that we can tag right back to looking at our fears. I believe looking at our fears is what changes people. Unfortunately, we're in an era where people can become so self-absorbed they don't have something that shocks them out of their way of living to live in a deeper way. So we actually need things like what's going on right now to get people to consciously make the changes they need to make. My feeling is, coming more from an astrological point of view, that we come out of this, you know, and we, we do start to merge back into society with it. Um, I think we start to handle it differently. And I don't believe that we have to deal with what I just talked about regarding the Spanish flu. Yet at the same time, we still don't know how to technically fight these things and we're still slightly ignorant to it. So I hope we find some resolution there. But I do believe this phase that we're going through right now mm -hmm. will change us in ways that we need to change and that we upgrade and become stronger from this for now. But looking into years coming in the future beyond this point, I believe we learn from this also about how to handle world transitions because we are not done with world transitions. This to me is the first wave of four waves that will happen between now and 2070. So I don't want people to be in fear at all because I believe we come out of this and we merge back in society. And, you know, I even made jokes that 2021 could be a year long party for all of us, mm -hmm. you know, as the entertainment business starts to come back and we've seen that we've come through this, I see good times coming. So I want to be clear, but I also want people to remember what this feels like because mm -hmm. we have, will have other events in our future where I believe this is a drill teaching us how to handle larger events in the future. Well, and I think it's even important to be mindful of what we consider the cure, because if you dig into vaccines, they can put anything they want in a vaccine um, and it, they don't have to disclose what's in there. So that brings up another question too, on like what really is the cure for this? And I don't think we know yet, quite frankly. You know, I don't either. And, you know, there's some thought, you know, I, you know, I, I read in India where there, where there was a certain guru out there talking about, well, everybody's just going to have to get this and work through it and then upgrade your immune system around it. And then that's how this thing's going to end up working over time. I'm not certain I agree with that hundred percent, but I do understand it. I, I have clients that swore they had this last year mm -hmm. in like November. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a couple clients that when the coronavirus came out, they already were stating, you know what? I had this last year. I had the worst flu I had ever had in my entire life. Yep. 
another thing about this being compared to the flu, I mean, I have clients in there. I have three clients that have been diagnosed with the, the coronavirus three. And I've talked to two of them and they said, this is not like the flu it was significantly worse for them and putting them on the brink of fear of death on several nights. Mm. This is not like any flu that they've experienced before. One client of mine said it was, it was, mm. they didn't even really have symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. But two of my clients said it was pretty severe. Mm. Mm. I guess it all, oh yeah, I don't even want to make any interpretations of it because I definitely don't have any answers. I'm just going to keep coming back to this is an opportunity to have that first heart attack and make changes. I agree. And that's the way I want to keep it too, is like, I'm not someone also that has a solution to these types of problems. I'm, you know, a spiritual weather predictor for people, you know, Mm -hmm. and we are dealing with what the system of astrology said we would be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also do believe we also come out of it, but there's, you know, there's a, we, there's a lot of ways of looking at this experience and we're seeing the world respond in those various ways. Well, and I think we've taken our bodies for granted too, you know, and I think education around upping our immune system and working with our bodies is an important part of this too. And is an important part of the change because I think we've just, you know, lived in a way that's been disharmonious in, in so many ways. So, so much to reflect on. I want to, um, go back to astrology for a second and talk about the goddess Hecate and uh-huh. the god Prometheus. And I hope I didn't butcher those names too badly. <laughs> actually pronounce Hecate's name perfectly, okay, good. which is uh, very unique. It is Hecate. First of all, Hecate is the goddess that I have worshipped for uh, since I was 17. I've also mm-hmm. written two books about her as well. She's been a force in my life. And even though she's responsible for this pandemic, she is the wrath of nature. Uh, Hecate is the goddess of nature. She is the goddess of death. And when I lived in India, uh, the tribe that I spent time with was a Kali tribe, worshiped the goddess Kali. And when I was finished with my work there, they wanted me to westernize my mission here in the United States. Uh, Meaning they didn't want me coming back talking about Kali. They wanted me finding an equivalent goddess for her to worship in the United States. And I chose Hecate as the equivalent uh, of Kali. And so I, you know, same goddess, but different locations, so to speak. And so my path has been about overcoming fear, and I've been invoking Hecate as a force to help me get past my fears. So the fact that she put the planet in fear, when that's kind of her nature, is to move people past their fears, is pretty significant to me in the time that we're in. So the eclipse in December on Christmas was under the star Hecate. It's a star which is the first bright star inside the constellation Sagittarius. And it's a it's a wrathful sign, even so, in India where it's called Mula. It's a pretty fearful sign for people because it brings up deep, hard changes we don't really want to deal with. So she took over. When an eclipse happens, the god or goddess that rules over that eclipse gets to take the planet over till the next eclipse, kind of like a tag team. So Hecate did take this planet over. We're living in her experience right now. And on June 21st, the next eclipse is under the god Prometheus. He was literally the antithesis of Hecate. Hecate is the goddess that says, let's go past our fears. You know, let's look at suffering and try to find peace within that suffering. Well, Prometheus was the god that says, I don't want humans to suffer at all. And his story was real quick. He didn't, he was the original god according to the Greeks that created humanity, and he didn't want them to suffer at all. Zeus became king of the gods and said, I'm sorry, Prometheus, I need human beings to suffer because if they don't, they won't return home. 
they'll just want to keep reincarnating on earth over and over again. So I need suffering to exist. Prometheus disagreed with Zeus, grabbed the human race and hid them from Zeus so he could make them suffer. So Zeus in return made Prometheus suffer instead. So what we're dealing with is the original God that suffered for humanity. So him taking over the planet, come here June 21st, leads me to believe that we start, you know, having the suffering of what we've been through alleviated to a certain extent. And then what's the eclipse after that? Well, the eclipses in Prometheus, uh, there's a series of other ones coming, but they're going to start falling under the constellation Scorpio. The good news is the ones that are coming aren't the one that had caused this pandemic, mm. the Spanish flu and the Black Plague. So yeah. the other eclipses that are coming aren't nearly as severe as that particular eclipse we had in December. That one in December was so strong I've been talking about it for a few years. Yeah, I remember that. I was a mess over Christmas. And I remember on New Year's Day, I couldn't get out of bed. It was just, I felt it so, so strongly, something, something happening. <laughs> and just to be clear, these aren't like gods, goddesses in, in your belief systems. These are actually stars. They're in the this, this solar systems. I mean, they're in the constellation yes, somewhere. A, what's so amazing about Asterian astrology is what is interesting to note that all ancient astrology was used for the worship of gods and goddesses, meaning the moon also travels through the zodiac, and each time it goes through one of these 27 stars, it activates a certain god or goddess. And though when you're born, where the planets are aligned, those gods and goddesses that were at play on that day become a part of your nature as a human being. So Asterian astrology is unique because you know you've heard people talk about their guides and stuff like that, well, we have names for your guides in this system. We have seven astrology uh, alignments in your chart that determine who your gods and goddesses are that rule over your chart. So this system is unique as you get to see your relationship with yourself also in relationship with gods and goddesses. It's very powerful. So astrology is the, the art of the gods. It's really what it is. And now ultimately there's one god. India calls it Brahma. All these different gods or goddesses are just different personalities of that one spiritual force. Mm. God is a yin-yang energy. It's not good or bad. It's a little mixture of both, and it's beyond both of them. So these different deities are just different plays of the one, yet they exist as individuals just like we ourselves are also God, but we also have individual forms. This system is profound that you get to see your relationship with the divine in a very significant way. Mm. Can you give us another example, maybe not a pandemic or maybe another example that, because all of us weren't alive during the Spanish flu or Black Plague, <laughs> of one of these global transitions that we can remember that we went through so people can really, you know, feel this? You know, in this particular system of astrology, if you read any of the predictions that came out in those articles, like in 2019, you can hear me state that these transitions, because I use the actual stars in the sky, Western astrology does not use the stars in the sky. I've said if you use them, these predictions are literal. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to 2017 when Saturn went under the star Hecate. It was January of 2017 that Saturn moved into the star Hecate. Hecate is the goddess of nature, but she's also the goddess of female wrath. Be really clear about that. She was the goddess of the independent, free female. She was also the goddess that collected karma of people that harmed women. So, right when Saturn went into Hecate, which is Saturn is a planet of karma, 
men started getting called out for every single thing that they have ever done, mm. <laughs> you know, and it went on full display that right when Saturn went under the star Hecate, female wrath, that men started getting accused of all these things they did, even things they did like 30 years ago, because Hecate doesn't forget anything. Mm. So one other prediction that was made in my Earth Change seminars is that in 2017, female wrath would be visible everywhere. Mm. And it certainly was. Mm. Wow. I'm just thinking of my own life in 2017, what I was working with, and it was very much empowerment as a woman was a big theme, big, big, big theme. And it was, it was visible to everyone. Mm -hmm. And when I make those types of universal predictions in the system, you are aware that you're going to be right. That you, 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 when you use the stars in the sky, you're really confident about these types of predictions. Mm -hmm. And so the female wrath, that was, you know, and also, you know, as one of the other articles stated, I predicted that Donald Trump would actually be impeached in October of last year because mm-hmm. Jupiter went under the star Hecate. There's been a lot of energy around this goddess in the last several years. Uh, the goddess Hecate, a lot of planets have been moving through her. It was Saturn, then there was Jupiter, and then the eclipse was in Hecate. There's been a lot of Hecate energy, and she's also the goddess of justice. So uh, the fact that he was, you know, Eligible, eligible to be impeached on Halloween day. That was the day that Jupiter went into Hecate as well. So there's been a lot of predictions that have been really easy to make over the last several years using the system. Well, I want to circle back to one of the things you said. You said that we have, we're due for four um, of these kind of cataclysmic global shifts between now and 2070. What are the other times you see us going through this? Can you see that far out? Like, are you able to see what years you think these will happen? Yes, and yet there's a reason why I'm not going to fully get into those at the moment. Not okay. about not many, making predictions, is I don't want to emphasize more fear for people. Mm. That's really important because I think at this stage, getting out of the situation we're in now, now people that have been to my Earth Change seminars and all that, they have heard all of these things. And I will tell you, like 2040 has a series of you know big events that are coming, and we're gonna have you know. We're going to have some more here coming too. Yet I want to stay focused on the the immediate one because the last time I was asked that, it stirred everyone up again. Yeah. And 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 people I was connected to, you know, we started having conversations about what was happening next. When, in my opinion, how we handle getting out of this right now spiritually does dictate how it intense the next series of events are. Yeah, yeah that was, uh, they are yeah. going to come, but I believe how we handle this one really determines their intensity levels. That was uh, totally my so, next question. <laughs> I was like, can we impact them by shifting our consciousness? Right. And that's the point of focusing on mm-hmm. one at a time. Uh, and also this comes from since 2005, making predictions and seeing how much fear it evokes in people. So generally, even in my readings with people, you have to book the earth change reading with me to get fully into this in a reading sense, which means if someone calls me for reading, we're not talking about earth changes. We're talking mm-hmm. about their karmic experience they're having on this planet. Mm-hmm. I reserve that for very specific reasons where we get into that in that reading, but I don't want people going into fear about future events because we need to get our fear. We need to work our fear out right now during dealing with the one we're you know dealing with right now. Right. right. Yeah. Which is why I really believe this is a time for all of us to be going within looking at those emotions we like to avoid and confronting them, seeing them, not trying to distract ourselves or avoid them or spiritual bypass them, 
uh, because that I think that is part of the spiritual path. And I feel that's where a lot of, as you say, new age spirituality has has maybe misled a few people is that you're only supposed to go for the positive, quote unquote, positive feelings and not deal with fear, anger, shame, those types of things. But we live in a world of duality. And so I think part of our spiritual growth is to sit with those things and confront those things and not not run from them, which we've been doing for many years. And, and also there's an artwork in dealing with these types of predictions. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, I, I'll tell anyone that's hearing this, if you really want my perspective of them, go to my website and grab an earth change reading. We get fully into it. There's just, it's one of those things where I do believe how we handle getting out of this one, it does determine how we deal with the next. But I will tell you, there are four waves of major transition on earth. This is the first. Okay. First of four. And how we deal Uh, with that, just to review, we confront our own fear. What else do we do, Jade? it's, It's really, to be honest, that's what it's all about is overcoming our fear. We have to be strong people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't hear stories of people like Christ, Buddha, or Krishna, or Rama running from fear. You didn't hear this. These beings were unaffected mm-hmm. by these types of energies that are going on. Mm-hmm. And to be unaffected by the darker energies is more important than acting like they're not there. So we believe that we need to be strong in dealing with the shadow, reviewing what our fears are, and becoming strong in the midst of that because the agoric belief is is that if you can endure your shadow self, you can endure anything. You know, my guru in India was pretty much like, well, white light, that's easy to deal with. And mm-hmm. he would make jokes about, you know, well, you know, it's like looking at someone that looks pleasing. It's easy. Looking yeah. at light is easy. Looking at the shadow. He would say like the old crone, the old woman, the old man, dealing with the things that we don't want to deal with, getting comfortable with those things. Yeah is more important than just putting white light around everything because we have to deal with these things whether we want to or not. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't believe we grow without looking at the shadow. And, you know, this is why I think these experiences on this planet can be used as great mediums for our transformation. Mm. White light to me is easy. It's easy to, you know, appreciate a sunset. Yeah. But it's not as easy to you know appreciate the tornado. And yeah. yet they both exist in creation. So we have to be expansive enough to embrace both sides of the spectrum. Oh, anything else, Jay, that you want to share before we wrap up? Well, you know, I think we've covered a lot of interesting stuff here. You know, first of all, I'm going to encourage people to look into Asterian astrology. I am one of the very few that tries to get people to stop using Western astrology. It can't predict pandemics. And the reason why this pandemic could not be predicted by Western astrology is because they don't know how to use the North and South node. In all ancient cultures, the North and South Node create eclipses and they're monstrous energies that are worse than Saturn. And because it doesn't know how to use them, it can't predict these things. I really want to lean people towards sidereal astrology, star-based astrology. This is the system all of our ancients use, including the Egyptians, Babylonians. Sidereal astrology has been, you know, it's got a stamp of approval from Indian masters, saints, gurus. This is the actual system that masters and saints use. Western astrology is not a part of that topic at all. So I always joke, like you can choose Yogananda's guru or you can choose Linda Goodman. Those Mm -hmm, are your options. mm -hmm. You know, this is what I'm using is the actual real system. And I want people to kind of look into it and realign with their real self, because I believe aligning with a sign that we're not, we start identifying with something that we're not. We start believing we're something that we're not. And then Catholicism wins because it wanted everybody aligning with stars that they weren't. So no one would grow up believing who they really were anymore. Mm. Lots of 
food for thought, <laughs> lots of things for us to consider. And if people want to learn more, they can go to starianastrology.com. I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jade, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so enjoyable. Thank you. 